G'day fellow Phantom fans, Joe here. I just wanted to give a quick message before the beginning of this episode. Uh, Jermaine and I originally recorded this episode on the 25th of last month, so it's being released a little bit later than I had originally intended. I do apologize for that. Um, I've had some life changes in the last couple of weeks, which uh, resulted in me not being able to spend the time on editing the episode that I would have liked, hence why it's coming out late. Um, again, I do apologize for that, but I hope you enjoy the episode nonetheless. Thanks very much for tuning in. See you for episode 12. Cheers. everybody and welcome to the 11th episode of Expand the Phantom podcast. Uh, in this episode we'll be looking at a somewhat belated uh, review of King's Watch 3 as well as King's Watch 4 and 5. So I'll be summing up, summering, summing, whatever the word is, up our thoughts on um, on those issues and the series as a whole. So as, as usual with me today is Jermaine Parker. How are you Jermaine? Pretty good, thank you, Joe. Um, fan community, good to good to hear you and good to be back. Um, really looking forward to this um, uh, this podcast. Actually, um, I really enjoyed the King's Watch, so the series. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that makes two of us. Um, must apologise for this taking so long to get out there. It's kind of partly my fault. I think Christmas me- messed us up for issue three and four, and then because I only get my comics once a month, um, I didn't get my Issue 5 until a couple of weeks after it was actually released. So, um, yeah, that's why this episode's a little bit late, but hopefully we'll make up for it with an entertaining episode. So I suppose we should start uh, with a quick overview of each, each issue. Okay, so series... Uh, sorry, not series. Issue 3 gives us a little... Starts off with giving us a little bit of backstory um, on Flash and Mandrake. And it turns out that... Mandrake knew Flash when he was a young boy. Flash happened to go to one of his um, magic shows, which, using uh, the memory of that, Mandrake is able to save Flash from the big skeleton snake thing that the Cobra attacked him with at the end of issue two. Um, Continuing on, Mandrake is able to create several uh, illusions that panic Cobra's men. He uh, makes them believe they're in a kind of Oh, would, would you call it hell or a big lava engulfed island anyway, I suppose? Yeah, like a fire. Like a fire, <laughs> yep. Um, and they make, uh, he makes them believe that there's a giant demon as well, which is kind of cool. Um, so obviously the team defeat Ming's men. Ming escapes through a portal and Flash, Mandrake and, um, Mandrake's to be girlfriend, whose name I'm totally blanking on at the moment. Who, uh, who flashes? Yeah. Dale. Dale, that's it. They all jump into the Z plane and chase after, um, the Cobra going to where the King's Watch is. We cut to Lothar and the Phantom, who are already in West Tanzania in Africa, who are also heading to where the Cobra's going. 
They come across the Cobra and his band of ne'er-do-wells, and of course a firefight breaks out. Uh, except Cobra has the uh, crystals which he uses to defeat Lothar and the Phantom. So, carrying on, we eventually meet up um, with all the heroes, Mandrake, Flash, Lothar and the Phantom meeting up to take on Cobra and his goons, and of course a big fight ensues. Now, the first uh, big twist of the series comes out where we find out that the woman who has been following Cobra around, he's kind of, I suppose you'd say, second in charge, is actually Nada, the Phantom's, uh, sorry, not the Phantom's, Mandrake's uh, ex-partner. Um, I'm not sure if the series says whether they were married or not, but they definitely had at some point a romantic uh, interest in each other. But for some reason, Nada's gone off and joined the evil side. Uh, continuing on, uh, Cobra is able to open the doorway to Mongo. Of course, opening the way for all of Ming's forces to come through. And there the issue ends. So issue four picks up straight after, where we have Mongo, uh, sorry, Ming on Mongo kind of explaining how he was able to get his people to Earth and how the King's Watch and the doorways it opens works. And we find out that all the troops and um, monsters that Ming has under his servitude have actually come from other worlds that he's conquered using gateways similar to the King's Watch. And we're uh, treated to lots of lovely scenes of uh, Ming's forces destroying various cities throughout the world. Cut back to the Phantom and Friends, trying to figure out how the hell they're going to fix this situation. And we get our first look at the King's Watch version of the Skull Cave, which I must admit is pretty impressive. Um, he's got a big... What? Sorry? Well, I was just going to say, what do you think about like the um, uh, the ship in there and... And stuff like the like the actual, you know, old wooden 15th century ships and stuff like that. I thought that was a pretty interesting touch. Yeah, I think it's really cool. And um, I like that it's not just kind of a bare cave, which we kind of see in um, the Falk and even the Egmont stories. It's very much just a cave um, with a few things chucked in. But this looks like there's really been generations and generations of people living there. Um, yeah, I really mm. like the ship. I'm sure some people will complain it's a little bit too more, too much like the Batcave, because um, he's got quote unquote his trophies. Um, but I really like it. It definitely has a lived-in look to it. Uh, it's interesting though. It says Skull Cave in a Bengala and not Deep Woods. Um, whether they just thought that might confuse people or not, I don't know. But yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, good point. So. Um, we find that throughout the Phantom's adventures, or past Phantom's adventures, they have discovered a globe that, once Mandrake powers it, powers it up, shows where all the various portals um, that Ming has opened are across the world. So now the heroes know exactly where they have to go to, um, to stop Ming. Once the, once the heroes set out on their... On their attack of Ming's forces, we get more scenes of the world's armies trying to defeat the invaders, of course, without much luck. 
And then we see the Phantom and Flash engage in some of them as well, who, of course, have more luck than the Earth League people. Um, Flash is able to uh, jump onto the one of the big rhino-elephant hybrid-looking beast things and uses that to great effect. Uh, and we continue on with the battle for the next few pages. And then we discover that um, Zarkov has created a special weapon that will send the um, the bad guys into an alternate dimension, I believe. Yep, Sonic Propulsion Unit um, is what it's called. And he's rigged it up using, it looks like a jet engine. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of, um, uh, in the movies, um, what are those movies called? Um, the Expendables. Oh, or is yeah. it Terry Crews or something pulls out the big guns? Yeah. And blows them. That's what it kind of reminds me of. Yeah, it's interesting too because as um, as Lothar and Zarkov come out, Lothar is of course carrying it and um, Dale says, someone who could actually carry it and Mendrake mentions that Lothar is the world's strongest man. So they have actually kept that that big superhero type strength that Lothar is supposed to have in there, but that's just the first time it was mentioned, which I thought was, was interesting. Yeah, they've definitely um, they've definitely done their best to keep like um, the defenders of the earth elements in, in it, trying yes, to be yes, true to it. Um, and as the book continues, we get a one panel scene of the Phantom and Mandrake addressing the world leaders, which I thought was was quite a nice touch. Um, yeah. So as we carry on, we find out on the final pages that Ming is aware of the Defenders, or they're not actually called the Defenders officially, but um, there is dialogue here that suggests that the people writing it are very much aware of the Defenders of the Earth, like Jermaine mentioned. So we learn that Ming is very much aware, aware of them and that he's sending more people through to take them out, and that's where the issue ends. Okay, issue five. Now, this is this was one hell of an issue. This was great. Um, so, again, it opens with the Defenders. Let's just call them that. Um, the Defenders organising attacks against Ming's forces all around the world. We see Flash in true Flash style driving a car into a horde of bad guys. Uh, the Phantom, and this is probably my favourite bit of the whole thing, the Phantom shooting a rocket launcher at a giant monster thingy in Sydney Harbour, which... Um, it's very cool, <laughs> and I love. Well, it was good to see us that we were that we were, uh, thought about. Yeah, I know, and I, and I love that the Australian um, celebration for that is too right and let him have it, lads. I think that's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. Anyway, um, we continue on to see that Zarkov is still at the Skull Cave and he's keeping track of where the portholes are opening. Uh, Phantom Flash. Mandrake and Lothar all join up again and return to the Skull Cave. Uh, and they find out that uh, within, within the Skull Cave there is more information about how they can uh, tackle the problems that Ming is throwing at them. And here is another very interesting, uh, I suppose, a revelation, the first of many in the issue, and that we find out that the Phantom isn't actually... A phantom, or rather, 
he's not a walker. And he's quite old. He's injecting himself with some sort of painkiller. Um, Mandra, uh, sorry, not Mandrake. Lothar sees him injecting himself and asks if he's all right. And the Fenner replies, deadens the pain. I go through a lot of it. Not young like the rest of you or cheating it like Mandrake, which is interesting within itself. There's a book over on that table, Lothar. Uh, Lothar looks at the um, book. It's a journal from 1536 basically giving the history of the Phantom, and we see a few variations of the Phantom costume throughout time, which is interesting that it's such a, um, each of those three variations, as while it's got the typical Phantom look to it, it is a very big variation on the on the costume. One's got a kind of uh, a scarf, I guess you'd say, around the head and eyes, and looks very much like a pirate's outfit. The second one, he's just got, um, a bit of cloth over the eyes and he's balding and then the final one um, for the mask or for the hood it has actually a hood like you would have on a hooded jumper um, kind of reminds me of Assassin's Creed the if you know that video game the look of the character from that so I think that's quite interesting that they've really played around with the designs based on the time um, anyway on the following page this is where we discover that the last descendant, so the last descendant of the, of the Walker line, saved the current Phantom's life. He had a son in school abroad, but the current Phantom was never able to find him, so he took over the Phantom's role. Now, what do you think of this, Jermaine, that a Phantom, who, or the man who is in the costume, isn't actually a descendant of Christopher Walker, or Christopher um, Stanch? I heard a lot of... A lot of um things I want to ask about. Do you want me to ask it now, discuss it now, or do you want to finish the rest of this comic and then discuss it? Oh, well, let's, let's finish it, and then we'll go back over our various points. Hmm. Okay, right. So after that revelation, the, um, the defenders get back in the Z-plane and go off to what they feel may be their very last adventure together. So we cut back to Cobra and his minions who have arrived on Earth, and they too know this is the final battle coming up. They're aware that the Defenders are there, and they're preparing for a great uh, illusion by Mandrake to surprise them. However, Mandrake is too clever for that, and doesn't give them a grand illusion. Instead, the three Defenders flash Mandrake, and the Phantom leading the pack walks straight up to Cobra and tells him to surrender, which has to be one of the coolest hero moments in recent times, I think. Mandrake finally brings out his top hat. He um, says he doesn't use it anymore, but he always loved it. He only uses it now for special occasions, which, of course, is this big battle. And with that, the battle starts. The Phantom and Flash pull out their guns and start blasting away. Mandrake starts casting illusions, and Lothar is actually... Um, still in the Z-plane, lending support. Now we come to another, not so much a revelation, but a surprise in the series. Um, they find, they discover that the only way to stop Ming completely is to go directly to Mongo, but someone needs to remain back to make sure that the portal stays open, and the only way of ensuring that is by holding the King's Watch crystal in place and doing so means the death of whoever touches it. And of course, 
the Phantom is the man that uh, volunteers, I suppose would be the best way to put it, for this task. So as Flash, uh, Dr. Z, and um, Dale fly through the portal to Mongo, the Phantom is, I suppose for lack of a better better description, electrocuted by the vast power surging through the crystal and is killed. Uh, we cut to Mongo where Flash, of course, is fight- fighting with Ming. He's able to close the portal and uh, he swears that he will defend the Earth from Ming from now on. We cut back to Earth with Mandrake, Lothar and uh, Lothar's love interest who find the dead body of the Cobra and for the second big reveal of the issue we see Nada taking up the role of the Cobra because the Cobra isn't so much a person as it is a title or a role similar to the Phantom which leads us to the third and final reveal or revelation of series the Phantom that we've come to know throughout King's Watch is dead we don't know where the previous Phantoms, the previous Walker's son is, but the world needs a Phantom, so Lothar himself decides to step up and take on the mantle of the Ghost Two Walks, and there the series ends. So, oh, that really, really builds up a hell of a lot of stuff for what could come next. <laughs> yeah, definitely, that, especially when you um, look at it, the fact that um, Mandrake got poisoned as well. Yes, yes, I forgot to mention that. Sorry, Mandrake did get poisoned by the Cobra's poison ring uh, when he was fighting with him. Um, yeah, that fifth issue has just got so much in it. It's absolutely wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Mm. So, um, I, remember reading, sorry? I remember reading the fourth one and just thinking, well, they've kind of defeated him. What's, what's going to be in store for number, four, uh, number five? Yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, it was, they did a very good job. And I love that they do things that you just don't see coming, like the Phantom being killed, for one, is, is pretty big, to kill off your main, or one of your main characters. Mm. But then to have Lothar take over as well, I, and not someone who's from the Walker line, I think that's one, excuse me, one very brave um, on the part of Jeff Parker, the writer. But also I think it's quite inspired, because in Defenders of the Earth, Lothar was always kind of Mandrake's sidekick, although, well, that's the impression I always, always got. Like, they were trying to make him his own character, but I, he still felt very much Mandrake's sidekick because he was hanging around with Mandrake all the time. By making him the Phantom, they give him a real purpose and his own sort of significance amongst the team, which, which I think is really cool. And the Phantom is still there because, like they say, the Phantom is uh, a legacy that is more than just a person. So... I think that was really clever writing on, on Jeff Parker's part. Definitely. So, um, before we get into the nitty-gritty, the series as a whole, what, what did you think of it? First two issues, I think I mentioned this in our initial, um, uh, our initial discussion on the topic. The first two issues, it took a really long time to try and get the story going, and then it kind of you know, steps into overgear, and then, like I said before, you know, you read three and four, and then at the end of four, it's like, well, how are they going to get a story and put it across number five? 
Yeah. And then you read number five, and it's like, well, where's the re- where's number where's issue six, seven, eight, and nine and ten? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's definitely setting itself up for um for more things. Um, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I think it's probably the best uh, Phantom story uh, we've had in a long a long while that hasn't come. Well, that has come from a from a American publisher. Um, that's including some of the Moonstone stuff because I feel personally that fell off a bit towards the end. Um, yeah, I think I think it's a great great little series, and it's, I think it's really good that they decided to take that Defenders of the Earth um, tax because it proves you know that those characters do work as a really good team, even though they are individually so different. Yeah, good point. I would say that this story has probably got more potential than actually the original series. Oh, yes, yes. Well, the original Um, series was, of course... Oh, when you say the original series, do you mean Defenders of the Earth or Last Phantom? Yeah, the original Defenders of the Earth. Yeah. We've got to remember, too, that was kind of aimed at a slightly different audience. That was aimed at kids, and, of course, now... Those kids, so us, who I guess grew up watching that, are now adults. Um, so I suppose they can make it a bit more mature, a bit more sophisticated, um, not as cheesy. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so, yeah, that, that probably helped. But you, you're right, it does have a lot of potential. Okay, so why don't we have a look at um, some, of the, 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 some of the plot twists. Uh, so let's start with Nada, the um, Mandrake's wife, turning out to co- to be the Cobra's second in command, his successor. And what did you what did you think of that? Um, well, in issue three, it, it kind of happens, and so when you see it, you're thinking, "Oh wow, they've really, um, they really, you know, uh, are mixing it up here and and stuff." And so you're thinking, "Oh, they're not afraid of, you know." Um, mixing things up um, but then it kind of makes you think well we didn't know about issue 4 and 5 either but I guess it was a precursor of the fact that they've kind of thrown all the characters and thrown them up in the air and just however they've landed is you know whether they've gotten rid of certain people or not yeah, yeah I think it's I think it's very interesting I'd like to know why she turned I suppose yeah Definitely. That's um, that's probably it's something that's very big. Um, well, it's one of the many questions, I guess that, that that you know we were originally hoping would be answered in the next series or something. Yeah, yeah, or the spin-off series because they're doing a Flash spin-off series um, that comes directly out of this. So any of the spin-off series might might have the answers in there, but. Yeah, it would be very interesting to find out the backstory to that. Okay, so what about the Phantom sacrificing himself? Um, well, I'll be honest. The whole sacrificing itself for the greater good is a great storyline. It's um, it's used lots of places. Um, you know, there's religions based on it. Um, there's you know, there's heaps of stories. Um, mm-hmm. You know, watching a movie the other day, there was the whole, you know, Frozen. So, you know, there's a Disney movie that's using a similar storyline. Yeah. Um, so I think it just goes to show that it is a great storyline. And if you want to, um, 
I guess, uh, what, what makes sales, a good making way of sailing, of sales is seeing someone die. But it's interesting because they obviously knew that was going to happen, um, Jeff Parker and, and Dynamite and that, but there was no, at least nothing that I saw in, in the um, promotion for the issue said that a character was going to die. Usually if there's a character about to die, um, Marvel's a good example, nearly every one of their major events, someone gets killed, and that's kind of part of the promotion, you know, find out who dies. But in this, it just sort of comes out of nowhere. Like, it's not, not, it's not to say it's not set up well in the story and it doesn't fit in the story. It does really well, but throughout the series and the advertisement stuff around it, there was no hint that that might happen, such a big thing would happen. Um, yeah, definitely. Which I thought was really cool. They just kind of almost blindsided you with it. Um, but as how it is in the story, how it works for the story, I think it's really good. It really shows um, the character of the Phantom, even though, as we mentioned, he's not actually a walker. He's still very much in that same, I guess, has that same idealism that you know a member of the walker line would have. Um, so sacrificing himself to save the world is, you know, there's no question. Of course you're going to do it. So I thought it said a lot about the character as well, rather than just being a big, oh my god moment. Yeah, and I guess the Phantom, whether you, whether you take away the whole argument about whether he's a real Phantom or not, which I guess is our next point we need to discuss, mm. is the, the character, the Phantom, is like that. That's who he should be. Yeah. You know, exactly. he, he, he's not in it for himself. You know, he's got a, a cave full of money. He's got, you know, he, he's got it all. He's got the looks. He's got the bodies. You know, he's got the women throwing himself all over him. But it's not about that. It's about the fact that, you know, he's, you know, which is the the law, the legacy, the uh, the, the the oath, which is, you know, my sons and my sons shall fight injustice and piracy and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I guess that. That is who the Phantom is. Yeah, exactly. Fights to the last. So that is a good segue into the discussion of the character of the Phantom not actually being part of the Walker line. Um, did you have any problem with that at all? I certainly didn't. Um, I don't because, let's be honest, other publishers have um, toyed with the idea before. Yep. I know Egmont did a story, uh, I think it was The Black Phantom, where John Carr, John, John, John Carr or something, his, yep. um, son took over the Phantom for a period of time or something while he was, um, injured. Yep. Or, or, or nephew or something like that. So, you know, there's, um, so there's, it's, it's been there. It's, it's been done before, but I guess, this was done quite well, and yeah, I guess it, it wasn't a short-term solution in a sense because, um, you know, he, he did a good job. But the questions I have is why couldn't he find the son? Mm-hmm. Um, because of what's happened previously, there's, the fandom has always known where his son is, you know, he's always had people, you know, whether they're there or, or whatever, and then you've got the whole, um, you know, where are the band of tribe? 
you know, why yeah. I couldn't, why I couldn't, um, why I couldn't they find the sun? Where, uh, why aren't they helping um, them in this in this story or or anything like that? So there's, you know, so there's that as well. So I guess while I like the idea of you know not being able to find who the Phantom is and you know and stuff like that, it's still got. You know, it's got a few holes, to say the least. Yeah, well, I suppose the thing is, too, we don't know which Phantom he was. Like, was he the 21st? So that, of course, again, asks, where is Diana? Where is Kitten Heloise? Um, or was he a previous Phantom? Or was he a future Phantom? Because they never actually gave a number, mm. I don't think, in the series. Um, exactly. And maybe it's the father of the last Phantom, but I don't know if that's that's probably just me making a big leap there, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, I, true. That's a good point. I, I quite like that there's that mystery. Maybe his son ran away because he didn't want to have that life. Um, yeah, I, it's it's intriguing. It's very intriguing. But as you say, the way it was done, um, how the Phantom saved this guy and this guy realised that the world really needs this this guy in purple tights protecting them, so he took up the mantle himself it's um it's quite a powerful thing i think um you know he could have just gone yeah thanks mate i'll see you later but no he decided to stick around and it looked like he looked after him as he was dying as the previous phantom was dying as well yeah there was definitely some gratitude there and i think he you know repaid his debts in a Mm. sense by um you know by being by taking over the phantom yeah, and that's another huge mystery. Who, mystery? Who was that guy? You know, why did the Phantom have to save him? Was he? So that's another question. Like, who's the who was the guy that the Phantom rescued? Why did he have to rescue him? And you know, was he part of maybe the Jungle Patrol or something like that? So that's another huge mystery that we don't know the answer to. Yeah, um, but I guess the question is: is do we want these type of questions to be answered? Yeah, well, that's a good point. Like, a lot of people have said um, in the past that, you know, the Phantom's lost some of his mystery because, we, you know, he's got a family and all that sort of stuff. So maybe it'd be good to have a more mysterious Phantom for a while. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm just having a, I'm having a bit of a, a flip through it, and it's, I still can't really see anything, you know, anything more about who this guy is. No, well, they, they kind of don't reveal anything about him until he tells Lothar that um, he had to, the Phantom saved him, that he, that he took up mm. the mantle. That's kind of the only thing we know about him. And he isn't buried in the crypt as well towards the end he's uh, burned? Yeah, that, that's interesting. I kind of missed that before, but yeah, that, that is interesting. I wonder what the significance of that. Maybe he didn't know about the crypt, this guy, so he just thought, oh, well, I've got to do something with the body. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's very interesting where they've they've taken all this. Um, so moving on from that, I suppose the next big thing is Lothar taking on the mantle of the Phantom at the end of issue five. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Um, I don't really know. Again, <laughs> it's. It's probably it's probably not it's a good choice because it gives Lofa a little bit more of a um 
you know, a little bit more of a, I don't know, imp- or more importance to the storyline, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because, well, you said it before, Lothal was always, he was always like an extra, like, you know, um, you know, like a little little fanboy just hanging around for the story or something. So, he was the fourth wheel almost. Yeah, exactly. Fourth or third or whatever wheel they whatever wheel it is. But yeah, he was just some extra. Um, and you you would almost argue the point that he was just there to keep the the characters diversified in a sense. Yeah, he was the token black dude. Yeah, which, um, but now, but I've noticed that in this series, he's probably had, he's probably one of the, probably Flash has probably got a lot of attention, but then so has, um, Lofa. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I feel it's, that Mandrake's kind of the one that's been, uh, not ignored, but he hasn't got quite as much going on as the other characters. Yeah, um, so, so I must I must admit I, I thought they've handled it quite well. Um, again, it will be interesting to see how they do, you know, um, or you know how they do the fact that you know people are going to see the fan and who was white and now he's black. He's going to be a different build, you know. Lofa in looking at the images, Lofa was a different build than what the Phantom was. Um, yeah. You know, is that uh, the witch doctor or something who's kind of like Lofa's love interest is, um, you know, is she going to be helping him in somehow or something like that? Yeah, there's, um, there's a lot of interesting ways it could go, but I like that they, again, they've kind of suggested that the Phantom is more than just one man or one family. It's, you know, it's he's like a protector that... Um, that people have a responsibility almost to to keep going, which um, yeah, and he is. He's he's always he's always has been more than one man. Yeah, um, but he's even bigger. It's become even bigger than the Walker Lion, the, yeah. the Legend of the Phantom, which is which is quite cool. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where all of this stuff goes, but of course. Um, we may never find out where it goes because we've just learnt that Hermes Press now has uh, their own Phantom series, um, which, of course, suggests that Dynamite no longer has the Phantom license. Yeah, it's... Um, I guess they did really come out of the blue. It, was, um, it really did. <laughs> I think it was... At, was it Thursday? Or like a couple of days ago? Yeah, yeah, I think, I think it was Thursday. And... Um, like um, you know, I wake up and then um, yeah, I open up Facebook and there's all this news about Herms. And at first, I'm thinking that they've just um, you know, just did, you know, just doing a different series or something. But then the more you read about it and stuff, the more you realise that this is actually replacing what Dynamite Entertainment are doing. Yeah, it's it's an actual new Brand new, on well, maybe not ongoing. I think it's uh, a mini-series. Is it eight issues or something? I think it's an initial, from what I understand, because, and there's still even a lot that no one really knows about it. Like, Herms have done the release. Mm-hmm. There's been one article 
or two articles on the internet which have said very similar stuff. Yep. Um, and then the, and then that's been about it. But yeah, and they've released that, they've released that one promo image too, which I must admit is beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's a very nice promo image. But the from what I understand, it's a it's a six six series miniseries. So they've got there's going to be six comics. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be written by um, oh, talk about a mind blank. Um, Peter David, who did the DC miniseries, mm-hmm. um, which is one of the best story, one of the better stories. Yep. Uh, and then you've got Sal Validio, uh, apologies for mispronouncing that name. Um, Valuto? Valuto, yeah, I think that's the way to say it, who's doing the interiors. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as a cover, and then you've got Graham Nolan and Alex uh, Saviuk doing the um, doing a alternative cover. Yeah, it's um, yeah they've got some talent attached to this thing. Like yeah, David, and I think I think the thing that makes this probably really exciting is the fact that um. They're all have done the Phantom before, or they're you know Phantom fans or something like that. Like yeah. Peter David's done the Phantom story before, mm-hmm. you know he did that miniseries. Yeah, and he's a fan um, of the character. Yeah, and then you've got you know you got Cell who's done Egmont for for almost ten years, I think. Yeah, and of course Graham uh, Nolan used to do the strips. Yeah, and he's a huge fan, you know. Um, yep. You know, he talks about how um, talks about you know how he, he read the stories thanks to his mum and stuff like that. So you know that that's big. That's yeah. Um, I must admit, I don't think I could have you know if, if I had the opportunity, I don't think I could have asked for a better creative team because Peter David, outside of the Phantom stuff he's done, his writing is just. Brilliant. I've read many uh, series by him from Marvel and DC and other things, and his writing is always top notch. And of course, Salvaluto's art is just absolutely beautiful. So to have those two working on the comic, it's one, it's yeah, a hell of a pull that um, Hermes has managed here. And then to have Graham Nolan involved as well, it's yeah, it's very very exciting. Um, but, but the thing that the thing that gets me is that there's definitely there has to be a lot of money, like you don't just get those couple of guys and you know pay them, pay them just a little bit of money. Yeah. Uh, there has to be a bit of money thrown around. Yeah, exactly. Um. But so you know, and then but what happened to Dynamite with the um with the license? Did they lose it? Did they get it taken away from them? Did they simply not renew it, kind of like what happened with um, Moonstone, or mm. you know, were they outbidded, like you know, again, what happens with Moonstone? Or yeah, I it's guess kind of, it's kind of ironic, isn't it, that um, Dynamite, who stole the license from Moonstone, of kind of getting it taken away from them by another publisher. Yeah, um, but I think it's in the same that I think it's kind of sad because. Oh, it uh, definitely is. Definitely is. While I love the idea of um, 
of what Hermes has 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 got out because I think they're going to do a good job of it. Um, because you know you can tell that they've got care with the story because of what they've done with the um with the uh what do you call it with with the collections and stuff like that. Um, Dynamite has probably just started to produce something that's worth doing. Yeah, that's, really that's worth. That yeah, with well, the fans, I guess. Yeah, and like they've got Jeff Parker, who, who with Kings Watch, who did a very good. He, he did a good job with Kings Watch. Yeah. Um, and I listened listened to an uh, I listened to an interview with him and and read some of his interviews, and you can tell he was a fan of the um of the uh, story. So, you know, so like they finally got a creative team that, that could have done something with the character. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sold, well, like I said before, you know, I, I don't know what the official official numbers and stuff are, but they sold enough. You know, it's, well, it's hard to find issues in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it does seems to have been quite a successful series. Um, and as, you know, we were talking before about what possibly could happen, given the ending of King's Watch, I can't help but feel really disappointed that as good as I'm sure this Hermes series will be, that it ha- happens now. So I really want to know what happens after King's Watch. Um, and, of course, if, if Dynamite no longer have the Phantom license, then we're not going to get probably uh, King's Watch 2. We're not going to get another spin-off series. And we... Well, whether we would have got one anyway, but now we definitely won't get a follow-up to um, Last Phantom, although I'm not sure lots of people were terribly keen for that. But, yeah, it, it is disappointing that all these things that we could possibly have been looking forward to probably now aren't going to happen. Um, it's just a shame. I, I, I Surely... Kings could somehow work out a deal where both publishers have a fan of license and, you know, maybe the um, Dynamite has the license to Defenders of the Earth where Hermes has a license to just the Phantom and, you know, they can work something out that way because I really want both of these things to happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's just me you, being a greedy fan, I suppose. I, d- I don't know whether it would happen, unfortunately. Um, no. Because I don't think... You know, Hermes is going to give Dynamite a um, an even break because, with what I've heard, Dynamite's a very is very um, cutthroat in the way they deal with people. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we we kind of saw that with the Moonstone thing. There was a lot of, um, uh, I suppose, name calling and a lot of viciousness blood. on on. Dynamite's part, whereas Moonstone would kind of go, yeah, well, we don't really know what's happening, we're trying to figure it out, we're trying to work with them, whereas Dynamite would say, oh, Moonstone, they don't know what they're talking about, they're all idiots, and yeah, it seemed very, like you say, vicious from, from their end of the camp. So Yeah, um, yeah so I, I, I don't know. Um, I guess I guess the only thing... You know, the only thing we can do is, you know, continue to speculate, continue to discuss it, and then when something does happen, we can probably go from there. But, um, yeah. I really, yeah, I don't know. But I'm, I'm interested, I'm excited with what's happening because it's good to see 
the Phantom being more than just a, a side character, which, let's be honest, Dynamite have done in the last year with yeah. King's Watch and Legendary. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's actually a good point. What's going to happen to Legendary now? Because it's still got, I think it's seven issues in issue three, or maybe it's four has only just come out. So it's still got several issues to go. Are they going to be able to finish that series? As King said, yeah, you can finish off Legendary, but after that, you have to wrap it up. Um, well, surely they would yeah. finish that, finish that off. But I guess Legend um, Legendary, if it's only one. If it's only one issue where the Phantom's actually involved, it's probably not going to be too much of an issue. Of an issue. Yeah. Well, that's another thing. Maybe, you know, what if a Phantom was planned to be involved in more than that one issue? Because I can't imagine a series with all those characters wouldn't have a big epic thing with all of them involved at the end. So I wonder if they've had to do any re- rewrites regarding that because of this um, change in publisher. Yeah. But um, as you say, we probably won't find out until the issues arrive. So, yeah. But um, one thing that is interesting, um, of course, just coming off the discussion of of Dynamite's books, which are very much a new take on the character, a new way of looking at him, um, from looking at the promotional image that Hermes has provided and also what they've said, their series is very much going to be a traditional uh, Phantom book, you've got in the promotional image, you've got um, Phantom Head Peak, you've got Diana, both Kit and Heloise are there, the Golden Beach of Kilauea is shown, um, there's Garan and behind him you can see uh, they look maybe like um, the logo people and behind them you have Rex on on um, an elephant which I assume is, is it Joomla? Joom- oh, Jomba? Jomba, something like that, and um, right next to him, you've got Baldy, and if you look kind of under Hero, between his legs, pardon for that, you can actually see Steggy there. So, I mean, they've done their research for this. Well, again, we mentioned they're all fans, but um, that's pretty impressive. It has something as kind of, uh, I suppose, only fans would know about as Steggy appearing on your promotional image. Um, Then you've got the Whispering Woods as well. So, yeah, it's, it's obviously going to be a very uh, very traditional take on, on the character. Um, something which I didn't really pick up on when I first looked at the image, but yourself, Jermaine, and a few others have commented on, is that Kit and Heloise both look a lot older than we're currently used to them being. They look maybe late teens, early 20s, do you reckon? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so um, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, so it's um, but I guess are they going to be touching on all of those themes, or is it more of a just a promotional image which has kind of got you know everything concluded? Yeah, well, even if they don't touch on it, um, I think just that image having all those things represented kind of gives you the the um. I suppose confidence in the creative team that they definitely know who the Phantom is. They know his world. So we're not just going to get some guy who's, you know, been hired to write six issues and then will bugger off and do something else. These people really care about the character. Yeah, which is a good start. Exactly, exactly. 
But it's interesting that um, Kit and Heloise uh, are appearing older, seeing that it, um, was it Tony DePaul recently said that in the strip they're going to start aging them a little bit. So I wonder if Kings has sort of gone, well, we want them to be older to reflect how they will be or are going to be in the strip. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that as well. And um, on that topic, I wonder if it's if this is the daily story where they actually the daily story where that is currently in the newspapers and all that, where they actually do appear older, or whether it's the one after. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Oh, I just noticed too. Um, there's there's a whole bunch of look like they look like seaplanes on that promotional art as well. I wonder if that's representative of the Sky Band. Yeah. Right, right next to it, they've got a sing pirate ship. So it's like they're ticking all the boxes. It's, it's quite cool. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm, I'm encouraged with it. Let's put it this way. I'm more encouraged with that promotional poster than, you know, a man running around with blood on him or berry juice. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was berry juice, man. Get it right. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit of a shock to the system for everyone involved, I think, that berry juice thing, especially before we knew it was berry juice. Yeah, and it kind of, because you, you hear the fact that, you know, Alex Ross is a huge fan and fan and, and stuff like that, and then you, and then you get that, and it's kind of like, well, how much of a fan and fan is he? Yeah, yeah, we had that, we've had that discussion a few times, I think, and really, do they really know what they're talking about? Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll leave that discussion to our last Phantom special, I think, which we will do eventually. Um, yeah. When, when we've got when nothing we, else to talk about. Yeah, when we feel the need to reread the whole thing. I must admit, I, I did enjoy it towards the end. The first couple of issues were a bit rough. Yeah, never mind. We'll move on a bit, eh? Yeah, let's we, let's stop talking about unrelated things. Okay, so um, yeah, in regards to, to the Hermes series uh, and and them taking the license from DC, I've actually emailed. Jeff Parker, the writer of King's Watch, to ask him if he knows what's going on because obviously him being involved in um, that series and any possible spin-offs because uh, there was a, or there is, sorry, a Flash Gordon spin-off and they hinted that there may be a Phantom one. Um, so I've asked him if he knows anything and also whether... Uh, DE still has the rights to Mandrake because, of course, Mandrake uh, is part of Defenders of the Earth and he's a Lee Fork character, but one would assume they would be separate uh, characters, so therefore therefore the rights would be separate. Um, But, of course, we don't know that for sure. And maybe if the Phantom series is successful, Hermes will do uh, a Mandrake series. We we don't know. So hopefully we'll, we'll hear a bit um, a bit back on that. Yeah, and then we're also following up some uh, some of our other contacts and leads and stuff yep. to find out a little bit about a little bit more about Herms, which uh, if we do, we will post and let everyone else know about on you know whether it's on Facebook, Twitter forums, or or Chronicle Chamber itself. Yep, exactly. Um, is there is there anything else you want to mention about either King's Watch or the new Herms? Uh, Series, Jermaine. I think we've covered pretty much everything. Yeah, no, I'm pretty, yeah, pretty much happy with what we've discussed. Okay, cool. Uh, well, I guess we can start wrapping up this episode. Um, so I should remind everyone, of course, 
of our current three-inch PVC figure competition, the P PVC figures that are brought to us by Limitless Visions um, and produced by Casual Friday. Uh, the Limitless Visions people have donated three of them to the website, um, and we're running a photo competition, and the best three photos will win a figure each. The uh, details are all up on the website, so just check that out there. Uh should also put out a reminder for the 2014 Chronicle Chamber fan gathering that's happening in oh, about two weeks, I think, now, isn't it? It's not long. Um, I think it's three weeks. Three weeks. Over the Lee Fork Memorial Dinner and, of course, the Chronicle Chamber meet-up. Yep, so the um, meet-up will be happening at the Supernova Pop Culture Expo um, in Sydney this year, which is at the Olympic Stadium in the Dome. So if you're in Australia and you're going to be in Sydney or you want to go to Sydney for those days, it's the 13th to the 15th of June that the con's on. We'll be there on the 14th. Uh, please come along and say hello. We're all a fairly friendly bunch. Um, and it's always a good time. And, of course, like Jermaine mentioned, there's the Leaf Hawk dinner afterwards. Um, so you're going, you're going this year, aren't you? Yep, I'll be there this year. I've saved all my pennies up, so... Yep. Yeah. Uh, are, you, are you going... I know last time we had the discussion on the podcast, you were umming and ahhing about the Stan Lee um, meet and greet. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not going to buy the $280 ticket or whatever it was. Um, yeah, if I don't know. I'm, I'm not very good at waiting in line, and I do want to go around the con as well. So I'll just... I might do a lap of the con, have the meet up, and then we'll, we'll see after that. <laughs> um, yeah, I... I Paying $100 to get a photo with him. As cool as that would be, I think it's a bit rude, to be honest. But anyway. Yeah. I have um, to agree with that one. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's. I think that's pretty much it. Remember to visit us on Facebook and Twitter. Um, and if you want to leave your comments and thoughts on King's Watch and, of course, Hermes' new series, you can do that on our forms and on Twitter and Facebook, or, of course, on the comments section of the post where you found this episode of the podcast. Um, thank you again for joining us for this 11th episode of The X-Band. Um, I realise today that it's actually the 13th episode because I've had two specials. We're almost as bad as Fru with their eight issues. We'll have to um, make sure we keep track of everything. Um, oh, that's something that we should mention. The... Uh, first issue of Fru's reprint series comes out fairly soon. I'm not sure if it's this coming Friday or the one... Uh, no, it's the past Friday, so it's, oh, it's out already, at the moment. It's already come out. Oh, I really need to get on top of these things. Have you picked it up, Jermaine? Yeah, I got I got it from subscription. Um, I must admit, it's it's interesting. I, I think, you know, we'll, we'll maybe discuss it the next time we do a... Um, We'll go into a little bit more detail next time we uh, do a podcast. Okay. But um, I'm still not sold on it. It's probably my initial thought. Yeah. Um, is it is is it bad? No. Is a a fabulous addition that's going to bring in extra sales. I'm not completely sold on that yet. Okay, cool. Well, I might um, pick up 
I need to hear myself. I'll copy myself, and next uh, episode we can have a bit of a bit of a chat, bit of a review, a bit of a proper discussion on it. I reckon. Yep. And um, Steve can listen to the episode and get angry at us at the dinner. <laughs> yeah, or well maybe we'll hold our uh, review after the dinner so he will at least talk to us. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a good idea. We don't want to be abused when we get there. How dare you belittle my product on on air or online, I should say. But in saying all of that, it's people are talking about it. People yeah. are excited about it. People are posting stuff on Facebook. People yeah. are buying the issue. Well, so... And, and- and another good story, um, there's, a, there's a guy at, at the school I work at, a student who um, only this year started to read The Phantom and now they're having this back issue, oh, sorry, this reprint series. He's kind of excited about that because, um, you know, they're a bit more affordable than the $10 uh, um, annuals where most back issues are. So he's kind of excited to be able to read the history of the character. So I suppose... For people like that, it's really good. But um, like we said before, I just wonder how many of those people there are. Like time to yeah. Tell, I suppose. And I guess, I guess it also depends on what you know the point of the um, of the the comic is as well. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I said it last issue, I said it last podcast, and I'll say it again that you know kudos needs to go. Uh, to Steve for for trying it out and for doing it. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. Um, and you know, I can only you know I can only hope that it, that it helps that it works for other people. Yeah, exactly. But again, we're getting into the discussion of it, so we'll, uh, we'll leave it for the next uh, episode. Yep. So make sure everyone tunes in for that one. Yeah. Um, and you know what we might even be able to do, you know, hope because by then it will be a, uh, you know probably about a month or two after. The release, so hopefully, you know, we might even be able to get someone else to give their thoughts about it as well, which would be nice. Yeah, yeah, guys, if you have um, any, we'll try and let you know each episode what the following episode will be about. So if you have any thoughts or comments that you'd like to share and um, you feel would make good discussion for the podcast, post them on Facebook and Twitter and all those places, and um, we'll, we'll bring bring your come up comments up on on the podcast and give our own opinions as well. Yeah, or if you want to join in on the podcast as well. Yeah, exactly. If you want to be a guest for an episode, we're um, more than happy to, to have people on. So, because we keep getting trying to get Luke on, but he tells us to bugger off all the time. So, yeah. <laughs> He's going to hate me for saying that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Cool. Right, well, thank you very much, Jermaine, for joining me again. No worries. Thank you for having us, and thank you for everyone for listening to us. Yeah, most definitely. Righto, guys. Thank you for listening to the 11th episode of X-Band. I hope you're here for the 12th. Catch you later.